Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And just when you thought the NBA couldn't get any more wild, couldn't get any more wacky, couldn't get any more unpredictable, Kawhi Leonard and his camp put together a power move that embodied exactly those three adjectives as not only is Kawhi Leonard signing a four-year $142 million deal with the Los Angeles Clippers but he is also bringing Paul George to the Clippers in addition in what was a crazy trade that took place on Saturday morning I believe it was like 2 a.m. Saturday morning. I was fast asleep. I didn't actually hear about it until I woke up at a normal time on Saturday morning here on the East Coast. And if you've seen the Shannon Sharp meme that basically goes, whoa, 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 that was me. That was legitimately me. That was the reaction when I saw that Paul George had been included in this uh, debacle heading to the Clippers. So let's kind of, let's break down exactly what happened here. So Kawhi Leonard headed to the Los Angeles Clippers along with Paul George in which Paul George goes to Oklahoma City management in Sam Presti and requests a trade to the Los Angeles Clippers. And we'll talk about in a second how that came together, but here are the parameters of the trade. The Los Angeles Clippers uh, receive Paul George and Oklahoma City gets the following and there's a lot here, so bear with me. The 2021 Miami unprotected pick, if you remember that pick has traveled many, many times, has been all over the league it seems. It was included in the Drogic trade originally when uh, Drogic sent, uh, was sent to Miami and going back was the pick to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix then included that Miami 2021 pick in the Mikhail Bridges Zaire Smith trade on draft night last year. And then the Sixers used that pick to acquire Tobias Harris uh, around the trade deadline uh, this past season. So it's it's changed hands quite a bit, and it's now changing head, changing hands again, going to Oklahoma City Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So they get the 2021 Miami unprotected first rounder, a 2022 Los Angeles Clippers unprotected first round pick, a 2023 Miami top 14 protected first round pick. A pick swap in 2023, a 2024 Los Angeles Clippers unprotected first round pick, a pick swap in 2025, and a 2026 Los Angeles Clippers unprotected first round pick, along with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. What a haul here for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we'll talk about exactly why they were able to get so much in a second, but I just I just would like to say that I think that given the parameters, the Thunder did an excellent job here uh, on a quick turnaround to be able to understand that Paul George has wanted to trade and then be able to go and recoup this these types of assets, which is clearly an, uh, a group and a pool of assets that are perfect for the rebuild that will be taking place in Oklahoma City now that Paul George is gone. But let's let's talk about a little bit how this trade kind of came together. I watched a lot of videos here, a lot of different you know Woj clips and uh, you know Chris Hange tweets and Ramona Shelburne tweets and kind of put it all together. And this is this is basically what I what I believe happened after I seen everything and kind of compiled it together. So off the bat, it seemed to me that this was the pecking order of Kawhi's options in terms of where Kawhi wanted to sign. It was the Clippers first, the Lakers second, the Raptors third. It's clear he wanted to play in Los Angeles. He wanted to go home. He even told Masai that in the exit meeting. But he wanted to play with another star, 
but just not a super team. So there was a little niche there. And so basically Kawhi approached the Clippers and told them he wanted to play with another star. He told the Clippers, hey, you're my first option. I want to go to the Los Angeles Clippers first, but I want to bring in another star. So Woj reports that the Clippers try to construct a trade to bring in uh, guys like Drew Holiday, guys like Bradley Beal, but both did not work. And Kawhi then mentions that his preferred option to play with was Paul George. And so you know, the reason this decision took so long, you know, five, six days after the the, the moratorium uh, on June 30th at 6 p.m., was to give the Clippers time to construct this trade. That was the reason Kawhi was waiting so long, just in case you didn't know. So Kawhi approaches Paul George shortly after July 1st and basically recruits him, saying, hey, I would love for you to come play... Uh, in Los Angeles with the Clippers uh, with me. We had, we recall that Paul George had the decision to go play in Los Angeles uh, last offseason when he signed that extension with Oklahoma City Thunder. You remember, you know, Russ threw him the big party in Oklahoma City with Nas performing and all that stuff, and he made his decision uh, to resign in Oklahoma City without even taking a meeting uh, with the Lakers or the Clippers. But we know Paul George, you know, would like to go home, would like to play in Los Angeles, and basically Kawhi, Asked Paul George, hey, here's your chance. Come play with me with the Clippers. So Kawhi then tells the Clippers that if you can land Paul George, I'm coming. And if not, if they weren't able to land Paul George, he most likely would have ended up with the Lakers. So now the, the Clippers are left with an ultimatum. Basically, what they have to realize is, hey, look, if we get Paul George, we also get Kawhi Leonard. So we need to go and find a way to get Paul George. So Paul George agrees to come to the Clippers. He goes to Sam Presti and Thunder Management and basically tells Oklahoma City that he wants out. And he does what the, and Oklahoma City does what they try does what they can do to try and get something for Paul George now that he has requested a trade. So the Raptors then get word of this Clipper these these Clippers plans to get a second star to pair with Kawhi Leonard, and they now become part of the trade talks to land Paul George, uh, with the hopes that it would also land Kawhi as well. So a very similar plan to the Clippers. So here's the thing with Toronto where people get confused is Toronto was ultimately used as leverage in these negotiations. Uh, it was proposed to the Raptors uh, that they that they would have to move off of Pascal Siakam along with other salary and multiple first rounders. So it seems I think Bruce Arthur of the Toronto Star reported that the starting point to trade for Paul George was Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet, and four unprotected first-round picks. That was the starting offer sort of thing. Like, if you have to at least start there for us to even consider trading for it. So that basically was it. And not only that, but it, it was it was reported that the Raptors would also have to take on the contract of Russell Westbrook, which has four years, $170 million on it. And even doing all that would not have guaranteed Kawhi was going to stay. And that basically was something that Masai was not prepared to do. And I kind of agree with him. That That is, you know, that is a ridiculous, ridiculous offer for, you know, those two guys. And we have to, it has to be understood here that like Ru Russell Westbrook, who is nearly on the decline and couldn't be the best player on a team that got out of the first round during his MVP season in 2017, and then flamed out as the second best player on his team two years in a row in the first round, uh, to bring those two guys into the Eastern Conference, to bring them on your team, after seeing three years in a row of them flaming out in the first round, that four 
years for $170 million deal is a big time negative value contract for Russell Westbrook. You have to attach assets to be able uh, to move that deal. That's why Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, he's, he's on the trade block at the moment now that Paul George is gone. But teams have to attach draft picks. You have to attach assets to Russell Westbrook to be able to move him. Russell Westbrook is not a, a, an asset on his current deal. Russell Westbrook is a great player. We know, um, he, I believe he has his flaws, and don't get me wrong, but he is an excellent player. We know how good Russell Westbrook is. But at four years, $170 million, he is not an asset on his current deal. And so that needs to be understood when uh, discussing, you know, uh, whether it was right for Masai to turn down this deal. So Masai wanted Paul George, essentially, but taking on an aging Russell Westbrook and putting a significant stranglehold on the cap sheet with no guarantee that doing those things would land Kawhi ultimately made Masai not want to go through with it. And even if Masai wanted to do the deal, the Clippers had the better offer anyway. So I say all that to say that this deal that I proposed, the Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and four first-rounders for Paul George and Russell Westbrook, that deal wasn't even realistically on the table because the uh, the Clippers were able to match and give a better offer than what the Raptors had anyway. So let, let's not make this out to be that the Raptors, oh, they passed up on getting Paul George and Russell Westbrook. No, that's not the case. The Raptors were used as leverage in this scenario, and that needs to be understood to the fullest because I've seen a lot of confusion going around that the Raptors, like the headlines are, the Raptors declined uh, to trade Pascal Siakam for Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and that is just vehemently false, vehemently untrue, and we're not going to push that narrative any longer. So uh, understand that that's the case. So basically, Oklahoma City used the threat, although it might have been an empty threat uh, to this point, of Toronto to basically increase the Clippers' offer, which was ultimately way more than the Raptors could have offered, and that's basically what sealed the deal for Kawhi. So you can look at this two ways from Oklahoma City's perspective. Either you can look at it in the sense that they failed to put competent shooting around Paul George and Russ, which led to them flaking out in the playoffs three years in a row and led them to basically underachieve during Paul George's tenure there and made Paul George's decision easier to leave. Or you can look at it in the sense that Sam Presti was able to get a historic amount of draft capital and draft compensation by thinking on his feet quickly and leveraging two teams against each other to be able to get the best package. And this is the way that I tend to look at it. I think that the Thunder did an excellent job considering the circumstances. Yeah, you can say, okay, maybe if you had put a more shooting and, you know, uh, guys like, you know, on, not guys like Andre Roberson and Jeremy Grant and all these guys that aren't good floor spacers. Yeah, okay, uh, maybe that that was the case. But, you know, considering the circumstances, I thought Sam Presti did an excellent job to recoup these assets uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. So let's start with OKC here. So OKC now clearly moving into rebuilding mode. Their roster looks as following. They've got Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, Andre Roberson, Jeremy Grant, Patrick Patterson, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, Nerlens Noel, Abdil Nader, Deontay Burton, and Hamadou Diallo. They've got some nice pieces. They've got some nice pieces there that are, you know, kind of primed for a rebuild. Uh, Diallo, just 21 years old. Ferguson, 21. Uh, Gilgis Alexander, 21. Um, and that's pretty much that's pretty much the their young core going forward. I mean, we've we've heard rumors about Stephen Adams, uh, you know, being on the trade block. You know, he's due 25 million, just over 25 million dollars this year. That's a big. Um, 
you know, that, that's a big burden on their cap sheet. And they're quite a bit over the tax. I mean, their estimated luxury tax bill right now is about $25 million on top of the salary that they're already that they're already having to pay for these guys. So it looks like Oklahoma City is going to try to shed more salary this summer. Uh, Russell Westbrook clearly on the trading block. I've heard of places like Miami, uh, Detroit, Orlando as some possible landing spots for Westbrook. I even heard some rumblings that Houston might be interested, although I don't think that would be a good move for them, but it was discussed. And so given all these draft picks, I mean, uh, that Oklahoma City gets, I mean, they've got draft capital all the way up until uh, from 2021 all the way up until 2026. So they have a great opportunity to build a nice rebuild here. Um, you might have to attach a few of those assets to get off of Russell Westbrook. Probably you, you understand that that's probably the case. Um, but I still think that, uh, you know, it's time for OKC to rebuild here. Clearly Westbrook can't be the best player on this roster. And Sean has he can't even be the best player on a team that gets out of the first round, frankly. So uh, I think that... Uh, trading him makes a, a ton of sense here and just starting this rebuild makes sense for Oklahoma City. But they're in prime position to have a, some nice, very, very nice uh, uh, draft capital going forward to be able to facilitate their rebuild and try to build um, try to build a contender again in Oklahoma City. So uh, good, good for them. There's going to be some, uh, you know, some losing in the near future, but I think they did great to, uh, to recoup all these draft assets and, uh, you know, keep moving forward uh, with a rebuild. So, so from the Clippers' perspective here, the Clippers' roster looks as such. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, Mo Harkless, Lou Williams, Avicii Zubac, Montrez Harrell, uh, Rodney Magruder, Thomas Robinson, and Landry Shamit. A great, great roster they've put together here. All of those guys are big-time value guys that uh, can actually make a contribution. It seems like they've still got some cap space to be able to work with to bring in a couple more guys as well. Uh, they're about $13 million under the tax, and you got to believe Steve Ballmer is going to pay the tax for this team, which looks to be uh, a championship contender in the Western Conference. Currently 10 players on the Clippers roster, so they do have some filling out to do. Oh, they also have Mafondu Cabangeli as well, who will most likely uh, make the team. He was their uh, first-round pick this year as well. So the Clippers, I mean, you can just, from a roster standpoint, I mean, you can just think of a number of different ways uh, in terms of, you know, lineups they can field right now. So I, I'm picturing some kind of uh, lineup that includes, you know, Patrick Beverly. Uh, at least starting lineup, Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Avicii Zubac. I mean, that's very nice. Uh, that Defensively, that team is very, very good. I mean, Beverly guarding your point guards, and then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, two elite wing defenders that can guard up and guard down in terms of positions, you know, two, three, four, and maybe even some five in some cases, uh, if you want to talk about uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That is just excellent, you know, and then off the bench, you got Lou Williams, sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell, big time contributor on offense and, uh, you know, growing defensive potential. You got Mo Harkless, who's a nice rangy wing defender who can, you know, hit shots at times. Ronnie Magruder, who, you know, proved a lot last year. He was, he was very good uh, last year, I found. Very underrated player. And, you know, we've only got 10 guys here. And then well, you can you see what you get out of Mufondu Cabangeli. Jamichael Green uh, is still there. He, they have bird rights to be able to resign him if they want. So there's, there's a lot of potential here for the Los Angeles Clippers to be an excellent team. I mean, you can picture a lot of those pistol actions that they ran in Toronto being run for Paul George and Kawhi, where... Uh, pistol being, uh, 
you know, Paul George or Kawhi will start in the corner, and then they'll basically receive a handoff coming around two screens, and from there the big will dive, and then you can uh, run back towards the corner to run a pick and roll or pick and pop. You know, there's a lot of big time options that you can run, and then obviously Do- having Doc Rivers as a coach, one of the best you know coaches in the NBA to be able to maximize the talent of these guys is you know just incredible. I mean, you can even picture a closing lineup of you know something along the lines of you know Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Paul George. Kawhi Leonard, and you can have Montrez Harrell at center. You can play Zubac at center, depending on how you know the matchups are going, and you can get you know just big time stops. Uh, you know, having obviously Paul George and Kawhi guard the best player or players on the other team. Patrick Beverly sticking your point guard. Lou Williams being able to be a clutch guy down the stretch. I mean, you've got three clutch guys on offense here. Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and Lou Williams all have proven that they can hit big-time shots in the clutch. I mean, this team is just primed for a big-time season, and I think it would be I think it would be stupid to call them anything but championship contenders at this point with this current roster, and it seems like they're not done yet. They probably have a few more moves that they can make as well, so watch out for the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers are going to be you know, championship contenders. I mean, I would be shocked if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals. I'm going to go as to say that far. Like, this team should get to the Conference Finals, and it'll be, and it'll be their first in franchise history. I wouldn't be surprised if they get there, and uh, they should, in my opinion, so we'll see how this works. So the Los Angeles Lakers have obviously struck out on Kawhi Leonard, and this is how their roster looks after making some recent signings as well. So you've got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Danny Green signs for two years, $30 million. Catavius Caldwell-Pope signs for, I think, uh, two years, $16 million. you got JaVale McGee, who's coming back on a one-year, $3 million deal. you got DeMarcus Cousins, who's coming on a one, coming back on a one-year, uh, not coming back, but co- uh, coming to the Lakers on a one-year, $3.5 million deal. got Quinn Cook, one-year, $3 million. Alex Caruso, one year, two and a half million. Rajon Rondo coming back for the vet, the veterans minimum. You got Kyle Kuzma, Jared Dudley, and Troy Daniels. Uh, so uh, again, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve guys on the roster right now for the Lakers. They're going to have to fill two more roster spots there. So we'll see, uh, you know, what they're going to do with that space. Again, it's pretty much just minimums that the Lakers are down to. But the Lakers, you know, I I talked about how they were playing a dangerous game, how a lot of the guys that they could have gotten uh, for their cap space would have been gone because they're waiting for Kawhi Leonard. But they did a solid job filling out this roster. I mean, I like Quinn Cook as a backup point guard. Alex Caruso is going to be able to compete for minutes as well. And you got Rajon Rondo, who's going to be your starting point guard. Now, I mean, I'm kind of iffy about Rondo at 33 years old. You know, doesn't really help your spacing, which you're going to need with Le- uh, Davis and LeBron. But, um, you know, he's had, he has uh, experience playing with not only DeMarcus Cousins, but Anthony Davis and LeBron James, so and Kyle Kuzma, so there is some familiarity there, which is good. Jared Dudley's a nice signing there for the veterans minimum as well. Um, and KCP, who's a big-time shooter, and Danny Green as well, who can play some defense on the wing. So I think the Lakers did a fairly good job. I, I'm willing to say that I was wrong, that they um, that they were able to fill out this roster, you know, quite nicely. I mean, did they miss out on some big-time players? Yeah, sure, they missed out, you know, on a guy like J.J. Redick. Like, if you were to pay J.J. Redick, um, th- that money instead of, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope, well, that's, that's a big time upgrade in my opinion. I think that that is, uh, you know, a player you would much rather have in Redick as opposed to Contavious Caldwell Pope, but they did what they were able to do. And, uh, I, th- I think they did a great job of it. You have, um, 
Quinn Cook and Alex Caruso, who I think are two solid backup point guard options. You got Demarcus Cousins and JaVale McGee, who is a nice center tandem. I think JaVale McGee will start and Cousins will come off the bench, give him that uh, that bench punch. Obviously, Kyle Kuzma has uh, has developed into a big-time player. He's going to make some contributions this year. Jared Dudley is an excellent locker room presence and can play some small ball center as well as the four. So there's some options there. For the Lakers, um, you got Troy Daniels who's coming on the minimum. He can shoot a little bit. KCP can shoot a little bit, and Danny Green's uh, you know that uh, that two-way threat. So good for the Lakers. They 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 recouped fairly well uh, from this deal, uh, or from the lack of getting this deal, I should say. And uh, I think they've uh, I think they've done pretty good to fill out the roster here. So good on Rob Palinka and Lakers management there. I think that they are also a contender in the Western Conference. I think that uh, I would pick them as to be a top four team. Uh, in the Western Conference just simply with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and now you filled it out with at least competent competent depth pieces, um, I, th- I think the Lakers are in, uh, in great shape to be uh, uh, a contender this year. So we'll see how it works for them. So finally, the Toronto Raptors, uh, depressing that they weren't able to get Kawhi Leonard. I mean, yeah, you have to think, like, it's there's there's you you can be of two minds about this. One mind is look, you won a championship, you took care of the guy's health, you did absolutely everything you could possibly do to make an all-star player, uh, not even an all-star, an all-NBA, uh, you know, top five player in the NBA, stay with your franchise right down from the health standpoint. You could pay him the most money. You were able to give him <clears throat> uh, what he was looking for from a health perspective. And you had a nice team built around him that could compete for a championship next year as well. And you still weren't able to keep him. That That is unfortunate. That really is. And uh, you really don't like to hear that. That does suck. I'll give you that. But uh, the other way you can think about it is, hey, look, he got traded there. Like, he didn't choose to go to the Toronto Raptors. And yet, they became, like, one of the top three teams uh, that were able, that he was thinking about re-signing with. Uh, e- even after they did all of this sort of stuff, and he wouldn't even have been like the top in the top twenty-five, like had he had not uh, gone and played for Toronto and seen what it's all about. So, for the Raptors to be able to you know to at least be in the running to bring him back, I think was you know you know pretty good, but just kind of disappointing that he wasn't able to stay. So here's here's how the roster looks now uh, that Kawhi is gone. You've got uh, Kyle Lowry coming back. Marcus Sol, uh, Serge Ibaka, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet, Stanley Johnson, a new addition for the Raptors, 23-year-old small forward, a guy I liked out of the 2015 draft. I, I honestly thought he was going to be better than Justice Winslow, who went 10th. Uh, obviously, I was wrong about that. Justice Winslow, at this point, is the superior player. But he's coming on a one-year, $3.5 million deal, is Stanley Johnson. You got Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, Malcolm Miller, and it was just recently reported that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson has also signed with the Toronto Raptors as well. And you've got, um, who's it, uh, Matt Thomas as well that they uh, signed from overseas. So we'll see how that works. But basically, here here's where we are. Here's where we're at for the Raptors. Here's basically their big ultimatum. Is you've got Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Vliet on the last year of their deals. All of those guys on the last year of your, their deals. And basically, they, the, they being the Raptors need to make one of two decisions. Do you want to run this team back one more year and, you know, make a little, you know, run at the playoffs, probably not a championship team at this point, and be, you know, a 6, 7, 8 seed, maybe a 5 seed if you're lucky? 
and you know try to make a nice little run in the playoffs and fu- fully well knowing that you're not going to win a championship. That's option A. Option B is that you take this summer, the, a combination of this summer and the trade deadline to blow this up early, get any assets you can get in it right now for the expiring deals of Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka, and Van Vliet, and use those assets plus the cap space you've got in the future, which is looking like close to like 100 million bucks Build around Pascal Siakam, build around OG Ananobi, uh, and take those two guys going forward. Maybe try to move Norman Powell off of that $10 million to create even more space and just try to blow this thing up and just really retool with a ton of cap space and a couple of nice rookies uh, in Siakam and Ananobi going forward. Those are your two options. What would I do? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. That's a tough decision. I mean, you this fan base has been so sold on winning for the past six years, ever since that Rudy Gay trade back in 2013-2014 season. They've been sold on winning and trying to be competitive. And now that we've reached the pinnacle of what we can achieve in terms of a championship, now you have to make some tough decisions uh, if you're a Masai Ujiri. You really have you really have to decide if it's worth making this, you know, pseudo playoff run that we know is not gonna end up in anything but probably a second round exit or do you want to communicate to your fan base hey we won a championship it's time to blow this thing up Kawhi Leonard is not with us anymore we've got to tear this down get all the assets we can and build this correctly and it's a tough decision it really is like it's 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 very difficult it's really not easy I and and you can't be you know half pregnant in this situation either I feel like you can't just, you know, trade a couple of these guys. Like, okay, we'll move, like, Lowry and Ibaka, and then we'll keep the rest of the team and, uh, you know, kind of move forward. Because now you're, like, probably outside of the playoff picture in that scenario in, like, 9th or 10th, and you only get half of the assets like you that you would have been able to do uh, if you were to, you know, either go all the way for the playoffs or go all in. So you have to decide, are we going to go all in on the rebuild or are we running this back one more year and, you know, Maybe understanding that Gasol is not going to probably come back. He's going to want to play for a contender. Ibaka is probably going to move on. Uh, Lowry m- probably isn't going to come back on a short-term deal unless he wants to be uh, a guy whose uh, you know jersey is retired in the rafters for the Toronto Raptors, although I probably think it will be already, to be honest. But... We'll see how those guys want to do. Those guys want to play this out. It's important for management to communicate with these guys, being Lowry Gasol, Ibaka, and Van Vliet. Let them know what they're thinking on the last year of your deal, and just be proactive about this. Understand that hey, if you want to resign on a short-term deal, we can do that for you. Maybe run it back for one more year. Otherwise, if you think that you want to go and you know pursue your career, otherwise try to maximize your earnings uh, in terms of uh, you know length of a deal. You and they want to go do that. That's that's totally okay too. But you've got to get ahead of this if you're a Masai Ujiri and make the correct decision based on what you think that these guys are going to do uh, in the off season of 2020. So big decision here for Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors. But uh, it's one that they've uh, they've got to be faced with and they've got to make the correct decision on because it'll uh, it'll either jumpstart the rebuild or set the rebuild back uh, possibly a year or two depending on how they choose to uh, you know kind of structure this and play this out. So we'll see how it goes. So crazy crazy off season is what I think is complete, but we never know with this <laughs> with this NBA. Uh, nobody could have predicted that Paul George was being recruited by the by the quietest guy in the most reserved guy apparently in the NBA is doing the most recruiting like who would have known that so all these guys like 
you know, Ari Abram and freaking Jalen Rose and Chris Boussard and Rick Boucher, like all these guys, like they just, they knew nothing. And like, you have to understand this going forward. And this is more for like NBA Twitter folks um, who know what I'm talking about, but you really have to be careful with your quote unquote sources, because a lot of these guys really didn't know anything uh, from the start. And it's, it really just proves like, hey, you got to wait for somebody big to tweet it. You got to wait for the Woj tweet. You got to wait for the Shams tweet, the Chris Haynes tweet, the Ramona Shelburne, like the big time plugged in people know what's going on and you have to wait for them or else you're going to blow your brains out speculating about all of this sort of stuff. So just goes to show you that, you know, we know we know less than we think when it comes to uh, the NBA and all these people who claim they have sources. We know a lot less than we think uh, when it comes to trying to figure out some of these NBA superstars and what they're going to do in the future. So uh, we'll see it. We'll see how this uh, we'll see how this goes from there. So thanks for listening. Hopefully the offseason is over, barring any ridiculous, crazy trade, which at this part, at this point, I'm not ruling out. Summer League is currently going on. I'll do maybe a Summer League recap after the full thing kind of concludes. There's some you know stuff we want to talk about. Kind of sucks that a lot of the guys in Summer League really aren't uh, giving it a go. Like Zion Williamson had a nice you know first 11 minutes or whatever. Uh, he's not going to play with a bruised knee. Michael Porter Jr. out with a knee injury as well. We've got an early look at guys like R.J. Barrett. Kobe White has shown some nice flashes uh, and a few other guys as well that we'll, you know, kind of get into when the uh, Summer League wraps up. And then, you know, we'll try to figure out some content to go uh, throughout the summer as well. We won't leave you hanging there either. And, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So thanks, for everybody, for listening. Uh, be sure to look out for more content. Again, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate five stars. That goes a long way to making this podcast more visible on that platform and just, you know, tells me that you actually like the, like the show. Like if you if you don't like the show as much, you know you can rate it lower. But just leave me a comment. Why? What can I do better? Uh, is there certain topics that you want me to talk about? Is there certain you know uh, topics that I didn't frame properly, or you think I have a bias towards? Like hey, just l- let it out. I'm trying to improve uh, this show as much as I can. So please, if you love the show, rate five stars. If you didn't love it, tell me why not, and I will do my best to make it better. Again, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I-S-O-B-A-L-L-P-O-D at IsoBallPod or searching IsoBallPodcast on those channels and YouTube as well. We might do some more uh, YouTube breakdowns as well. But thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back with more content uh, soon, so stay tuned.